Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. This is the audiobook, Defense Against the Plague, and a Criterion for the Elect of God, by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, the Promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi Islam, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. Title page. Our Lord, decide thou between us and between our people with truth, and thou art the best of those who decide. All praise belongs to Allah, that in keeping with the needs of the time, and to save many from the plague, this tract is being published, and it is entitled, Defence Against the Plague, and a Criterion for the Elect of God, at Qadian Darul Iman, Abode of Refuge, printed by Hakim Fazaldin at Diaul Islam Press, copies printed 5000, April 1902. An Admonition I am well aware, based on the age-old experience of the Prophets, may peace be upon them, of the value that will be placed upon the sympathetic message that I desire to convey to my dear countrymen by means of this treatise. To start with, I shall suffer from hearing insults from the Malvis of Islam, the priests of Christianity, and the pundits of Hinduism. I shall be given all sorts of hurtful names. I know only too well that this is bound to happen but I have given precedence to sympathy for mankind over the consideration of being troubled by widespread abusive language, for there is a possibility that from among these hundreds of thousands of slanderers some may emerge who, at a time like this, when a shower of fire is raining down from the heavens and is indeed expected to significantly intensify in the winter to come, may read this publication carefully and not be quick to spurn this well-wishing counsellor, and they may try the prescription he offers, because no recompense or remuneration has been sought in return for this sympathy. It is only out of true sincerity and benevolent intentions, and to deliver the people, that a tried and trusted measure has been proposed. Hence, as there are people who resort to even drinking the urine of certain animals, and making recourse to other abhorrent treatments, as a cure for their ills, what harm is there for them to adopt this wholesome remedy to save their lives? Even if they choose otherwise, one day they shall come to know in the course of this rivalry between different faiths, which faith from among the religions of the world can be established as the intercessor and be given the honourable title of saviour. All people long for the true saviour and possess great love for him, hence the days have now come for the identity of the true Saviour to be established. No doubt I consider the Messiah ibn Maryam or Messiah son of Mary to be a righteous person who is better than most of the people of his time. Footnote. Let it be known that when I state that Hazrat Isa or Jesus peace be upon him was better than most of the people of his generation, this is a statement by way of good will. Otherwise it is possible that in the time of Hazrat Isa peace be upon him, there were other righteous ones on God Almighty's earth who in their piety and relationship with Allah were greater and loftier than Hazrat Isa peace be upon him. For Allah the Exalted has said in regards to him, Wajihan fid dunya wal akhirate wa min al mukarrabin surah ali imran chapter 3 verse 46 meaning that 
he too was one from among those who were granted nearness to God during his time. This does not prove that he was greater than all those who had been granted nearness to God. Rather, it raises the possibility that others in his time were greater than him in this regard. It is evident that he came only for the sheep of Israel and had no relation to any other country or people. Hence, it is possible and even likely that some prophets who are included among Lam Naxus, i.e. those not mentioned by Allah in the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Mumin, Chapter 40, verse 79, may be better and more exalted than him. In the time of Hazrat Musa, or Moses, a man emerged about whom God had said, Allamnahu min ladunna ilma, whom we had taught knowledge from ourself. Surah Al-Kahf, chapter 18, verse 66. Now Isa was lesser in rank than Musa and was a follower of his law. How then can it be assumed that Isa, who brought no complete law himself, but followed the laws of Musa in circumcision, matters of jurisprudence, inheritance, prohibition of swine, etc., was definitely greater than all the righteous ones in his age. Those who have deified Isa, such as the Christians or those who have idly ascribed divine attributes to him, such as our so-called Muslim foes who are opponents of God, are free to elevate him higher and higher until they raise him to heaven or seat him on the throne of Allah, or proclaim that he too, like God, created birds. When man dispenses with modesty and justice, he says and does as he pleases. But there is no evidence to suggest that the Messiah excelled other righteous ones in his time. In fact, it can be supposed that in one respect, Yahya, or John the Baptist, possesses a superiority over him, in that he did not drink alcohol, nor is it recorded anywhere that a prostitute ever came to him and massaged his head with perfumed oil purchased from her own earrings, or ever touched his body and rubbed it with her hair, or that a young woman who had no relationship with him was placed into his service. For this very reason, God has referred to Yahya and not Isa as Hasur, or chaste, in the Qur'an, for such stories stand as a hindrance in the Messiah being referred to as such. Moreover, Isa, may peace be on him, repented of all his sins at the hand of Yahya, whom the Christians called Yohanna, or John the Baptist, and who was later identified as the second coming of Ilya, or Elijah, and became one of his special followers. This justifiably establishes the superiority of Hazrat Yahya for it has not been proven that he ever repented at someone's hand. It is thus clear that he lived a pure and innocent life. The actual purport of the commonly held belief among the Muslims that Isa and his mother were free from the influence of Satan is misunderstood by the unlearned. The fact of the matter is that those who were corrupt from among the Jews had levied extremely foul allegations against Hazrat Isa and his mother and would accuse them both of God forbid, satanic deeds. So it was necessary that they be exonerated. Hence this statement only means that the indecent allegations that were levelled against the two were false, and in this sense they are free from the influence of Satan, and no other prophet has ever required such an exoneration. End of footnote. No doubt I consider the Messiah ibn Maryam or Messiah, son of Mary, to be a righteous person who is better than most of the people of his time. Allah knows best. 
but he was not the true saviour. It is a false attribution upon him that he was the true saviour. The true saviour is, and will remain until the day of judgment, he who provides the fruit of salvation, and was born in the land of Hijaz, and was commissioned for the salvation of the entire world, and for all times, and he has come again now as well, but in the form of Baruz, or spiritual reflection. May God fill the entire world with his blessings. Amin. Humbly, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala Rasulihil Kareem. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, we praise him and invoke blessings on his noble messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Plague جو آمد از خدا تاؤں ببین از چشم اکرامش تو خود ملعونی اے فاسق چرا ملعون نہیں نامش زمانی توبہ و وقت سلاح و ترک خوب سستی کسے کو بربدی چسپد نبینم نیک انجامش When it is God who has sent the plague, look towards it with a sense of reverence. O transgressor, think not that it is accursed, nay. It is you who are damned. Now it is the time to repent, seek reformation, and abandon sin. I perceive a terrible end for him who continues to embrace evil. People hold diverse opinions about the dreadful disease which continues to spread throughout the country. Medical doctors, whose opinions are limited merely to physical remedies, stress that it is due merely to natural causes in the land that such bacteria have been born. They believe that these bacteria first lay their adverse effect on rats, resulting in a chain of death among humans, and that this disease has no relation whatsoever to religion. Footnote. According to the rules of medical practice, identification of the plague requires that in whichever unfortunate village or town or part thereof a dreadful disease breaks out, some days prior to the outbreak, dead rats should have been found therein. So for example, if a mere fever leads to a few incidents of death in a village and dying rats are not observed, then that is not the plague but some dreadful typhoid-like fever. End of footnote. Instead, it is advisable for people to keep their dwellings and drains clean, free from all sorts of filth and rotten matter, and regularly clean them with fennel and the like. They ought to keep their homes warm with fire and allow for the cross-ventilation of fresh air and exposure to sunlight. Further, no dwelling should be overly congested, lest excessive amounts of bacteria be borne from the breath and waste of those who live there. People should not eat unwholesome food, and the best treatment is inoculation. Additionally, if dead rats are found in their homes, such dwellings ought to be abandoned. It is also preferable to reside outside in open areas. Soiled and dirty clothing is to be avoided. Should any person from an affected or contaminated place come to their town or village, he should not be allowed to enter. And if anyone from such a village or town is infected by the disease, he should be expelled and should not be permitted to mix with society. So, in their view, these are the only measures that may be employed to counter the plague. Such is the view of the learned doctors and physicians. 
I do not consider it to be a sufficient and permanent solution, nor do I regard it as completely devoid of benefit. I do not consider it a sufficient and permanent solution, because experience tells us that some people died even though they moved out into the open, while others departed this world despite paying particular attention to their hygiene. Others yet, who had themselves inoculated with great hope, still ended up in the grave. So who can suggest or assure us that all of these measures are a sufficient treatment? Rather, one is forced to concede that although these measures are beneficial to a certain extent, they cannot be deemed a completely successful remedy to rid the country of the plague. These measures are not completely useless either, because wherever God's will has decreed it, their benefits are being felt. However, this benefit does not excite a great amount of joy. To illustrate, it is true that if, for example, a hundred people get inoculated and another number of as many people do not, the number of deaths among those who did not get inoculated will be observed to be higher, and among those inoculated, fewer. However, because the effects of the inoculation last at the most for two to three months, even an inoculated person will become vulnerable again and again until he departs this world. The only difference is that those who are not inoculated are as if riding upon a horse that can deliver them to the world of death within, say, 24 hours. Whereas those who receive the inoculation are conceivably riding a slow mule that will carry its riders to the same destination in 24 days. In any event, all of the measures taken from a medical perspective are neither sufficient and comforting, nor are they utterly useless and without benefit. So, since the plague is rapidly devouring the country, human compassion calls for the consideration of an alternative remedy that can guard against this destruction. The Muslims have emphasized, as shown by the announcement published this month, April 1902, by Mia Shamsuddin, Secretary of the Anjameh Himayate Islam Lahore, that all Muslim sects, whether they are Shiites, Sunnis, Mukallid or Gair Mukallid, footnote by the publisher, Mukallid refers to followers of any of the four main Sunni schools of Islamic jurisprudence, Hanafi, Shafi, Hanabli and Maliki. Those who do not follow any of these schools are referred to as Gair Mukallid. End of publisher footnote. Should proceed into the open and supplicate in accordance with their respective religious customs and on a specific date come together to offer a prayer collectively. This is a strategy that will most assuredly eradicate the plague at once. However, no method has been suggested for bringing all of the Muslims together. It is clear that according to the doctrines of the Wahhabi sect, Salat, or formal prayer, is not valid without the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. That being the case, how can they join the Hanafis in Salat? Will this not lead to mutual discord? Aside from this, the author of this article failed to mention what the Hindus might do to repel this disease. Do they or do they not have permission at a time like this to seek help from their idols? And what method should the Christians adopt? And what about the sects that consider Hazrat Hussain or Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, to be their Qazi ul Hajat or judge of the needs of mankind? 
and make thousands of requests and wishes while undertaking penance in Muharram. Footnote. The month of Muharram is a very blessed month. In Tirmizi, in regards to its excellence, the following hadith of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is recorded. The translation of which is, In Muharram there is a particular day on which God had saved a people of a bygone age from a calamity, and it is destined that in the same way in this month another people should be saved from a calamity. It would not be surprising if this calamity refers to the plague, and obedience to the one commissioned by God leads to its eventual eradication from the country. End of author footnote. Or those Muslims who honour Sayyid Abdul Qadir Jalani Shah Madar or Sakhi Sarwar to the point of worship, what are they to do? Moreover, are all of these sects not already offering prayers? Indeed, every single sect, fear-stricken, is beseeching its respective deity. Visit a Shiite neighbourhood and there will not be a single house upon whose door the following verse is not inscribed. The translation of which is, There are five persons through whom I extinguish the heat of every crushing calamity, the Mustafa, i.e. Holy Prophet Muhammad, the Chosen One, the Murtaza, i.e. Hazrat Ali, who won the pleasure of Allah, their two sons, i.e. Hassan and Hussein, and Fatima. My childhood tutor was a revered Shiite. He would often say that the only cure for an epidemic is the Wallah and Tabarra. In other words, to love the Imams of the Ahle Bayt to the point of worship and to continue cursing the companions of the Holy Prophet, may Allah be pleased with them. There is no better remedy than this, according to them. I have heard that when the plague first broke out in Bombay, the initial view of the people was that this was a miracle of Imam Hussein, because the epidemic first broke out among certain Hindus who had been in dispute with the Shiites. But when the same disease broke out among the Shiites, their slogans calling upon Imam Hussein abated. Such are the ideas that the Muslims have proposed to eradicate the plague. The Christian viewpoint is illustrated by a recent announcement published by Reverend Herbert Udni Wietbrecht and his organization. It is proposed that there is no means of eradicating the plague other than to believe in Hazrat Masih, i.e. Jesus, as God and to accept his atonement. Among the Hindus, members of the Arya sect are vehemently proclaiming that the calamity of the plague is caused by the neglect of the Vedas. They call upon the believers of all other faiths to accept the true teachings of the Vedas and, God forbid, denounce all the prophets as impostors. They claim that this measure would avert the plague. Then there is the Sanatan Dharam sect of the Hindus. This sect has suggested an altogether different idea for eradicating the plague, which I would have missed had I not read the newspaper Akhbar-e-Am. Their view is that the calamity of the plague has broken out due to the sacrilege of the cow. If the government were to pass a law prohibiting the slaughter of cattle forever in this country, this would effectively eradicate the plague. In fact, 
At another place, in the same newspaper, it is reported that a person even heard a cow saying that the plague has come to this country because of it. O readers, now decide for yourselves which of these diverse assertions and claims can gain acceptance by the world as a clear and self-evident argument. All these matters pertain to doctrines. In this perilous time, mankind would perish before it could decide which doctrine to adopt. For this reason, the statement that is worthy of acceptance is one which can be easily understood and possesses some evidence. Therefore, I now proceed to put forth such a proposal along with the evidence to support it. Four years ago, I published a prophecy stating that a terrible plague will soon afflict the Punjab. I have seen the black trees of the plague in this country which have been planted in every single town and village. If the people repent, this disease will not exceed two winters and God will remove it. However, instead of showing repentance, people hurled insults at me and published announcements containing extremely foul language against me. The outcome is this ordeal of the plague that you now observe. The wording of God's holy revelation that was sent down to me is This means that God has determined not to remove the affliction of the plague. Footnote Awa is an Arabic word that means safeguarding from destruction and disorder and taking into one's protection. This is a sign pointing to the fact that among the types of plague, the most dreadful type is the one called Taone Jarif, meaning the sweeper, from which people flee from place to place and die like dogs. The situation is beyond the limits of human tolerance. Thus, this divine revelation contains the promise that this condition will never affect Guardian. This revelation's interpretation is provided by another revelation. <laughs> Meaning that, had I not held this movement in high regard, then I would have destroyed Qadian as well. Two points are gleaned from this revelation. First, it would not matter if Qadian were to experience an incident on rare occasions which is within the bounds of human tolerance, does not wreak havoc and does not induce a panic-driven exodus because such an extremely rare occurrence amounts to nothing. Second, it is necessary that a devastating plague must break out in those cities and villages which in comparison with Guardian house the extremely rebellious, wicked, oppressive, corrupt, immoral and the dangerous opponents of this movement to such a degree that people will lose their senses and run in every direction. In accordance with its vastness, I have defined the word Awa in this manner. I claim with conviction that Taun Ejarif which empties and swallows villages entirely, shall never break out in Qadian. In contrast, however, in other cities and villages where the oppressive and corrupt are, dreadful scenes are sure to manifest. In the entire world, it is Qadian alone for which this promise was made. Falhamdulillahi ala zalik. So all praise belongs to Allah for this. End of author footnote. This means that God has determined not to remove the affliction of the plague until people remove from their minds the thoughts that surge therein, that is to say, until they accept the commissioned one and messenger of God. 
Almighty God will guard Gardian against the scourge of plague, so that people should recognize that this was so because the messenger and apostle of God lives in Gardian. Now observe how, over the past three years, both parts of the prophecy continue to be fulfilled. On one hand, the plague has spread throughout the Punjab, and on the other hand, although the plague has been rampant within two miles on all four sides of Qadian, the town itself remains free from it. In fact, even plague-stricken people from outside of Qadian who have come here have been cured. What greater proof can there be than the fact that those statements which were made four years ago have been fulfilled? In fact, I even prophesied about the plague 22 years ago in Brahine Ahmadiyya. Author footnote, 10 years ago I gave the news of the plague in a book I published named Sabaz Ishtihar or The Green Announcement and it is this. Ismail fulka bi ayunina wa wahyina inna alladheena yubayyunaka inna ma yubayyuna Allahi yadullahi fawqaybihim. Meaning that build an ark under our command and direct supervision which will save against the approaching outbreak of animal pestilence. Those people who take your bath or pledge of allegiance take bath with me. This is not your hand but my hand which is placed above their hands. Another phrase of this divine revelation is recorded in Brahine Ahmadiyya in the form of a prophecy and it is this. Meaning that do not intercede with me on behalf of those people who do not repent from cruelty, defiance, corruption and abusive language because they will be drowned. End of author footnote. And with the exception of God, no one has knowledge of the unseen. Hence, for riddance from this plague, the message which God has given to me is that people should accept me with sincere hearts as the promised Messiah. If I too had made my claim without any proof, in the way that Mia Shamsuddin, secretary of Himayat Islam Lahore, or Reverend Whitebrecht have in their announcements, then, like them, I would also have been deemed one who speaks nonsense. However, my pronouncements are those which were made prior to the present time, and today they have been fulfilled. Moreover, even in these days, God has given me news. The Lord of Honor and Glory says in this respect, مَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ إِنَّهُ عَوَى الْقَرِيَةِ لَوْلَا لِكْرَامُ لَحَلَكَ الْمَقَامُ إِنِّي أَنَا الرَّحْمَانُ دَافِعُ الْعَذَابِ إِنِّي لَا يَخَافُ لَدَيَّ الْمُرْسَلُونَ إِنِّي حَفِيظٌ إِنِّي مَعَ الرَّسُولِ أَقُومُ وَأَلُومُ مَنْ يَلُومُ أُفْتِرُ وَأَصُومُ غَضِبْتُ غَضَبًا شَدِيدًا الْأَمْرَاضُ تُشَاعُ وَالنُّفُوسُ تُضَاعُ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُعْتَدُونَ إِنَّا نَاتِ الْأَرْضَ نَنْقُصُهَا مِنْ أَطْرَافِهَا إِنِّي أَجْهَزُ الْجَيْشَ فَاسْبَحُوا فِي دَارِهِمْ جَاسِمِينَ سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ نَسْرٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَفَتْهُمْ مُبِينٌ إِنِّي بَايَاتُكَ بَايَانِي رَبِّي أَنْتَ مِنِّي بِمَنْزِلَةِ أَوْلَادِي Translation Translation 
فصبر حتہ یاتی اللہ بمری یاتی اللہ جہنم زمان اللہ وڈ ناٹ چاسٹائز دا ریزیڈنس آف کادیان ول یو آر امنگ دم ہی ہیز گیون شیلٹر ٹو دس ٹاؤن فرام دا پلیگ ٹو انویڈ اینڈ ڈسٹروئے ور اٹ ناٹ فار فیورنگ اینڈ آنرنگ یو دس ٹاؤن وڈ ہیو بین ڈسٹروئڈ آئی ایم دا گریشیس ون ہو ریموز افلکشن مائی میسنجرز ہیو نو فیئر اور گریف ان مائی پریزنس آئی ایم کیپنگ واچ آئی شیل اسٹینڈ وتھ مائی میسنجر and shall rebuke the one who rebukes him. I shall divide my time for a part of the year. I shall break the fast, that is, I shall destroy people with plague. And for another part of the year, I shall fast, that is, there will be peace and the plague will subside or vanish completely. I am greatly wroth. Diseases will spread and people will die, except those who believe and do not adulterate their faith with the least wrong. They will remain secure and will be saved. Do not imagine that the criminals are secure. We are getting close to their lands. I am secretly preparing my armies. That is, I am nourishing the bacteria of plague, so they will be left sleeping in their homes like a dead camel. We shall show them our signs in the distant people and then in their own selves. These will be the days of help from Allah and clear victory. I have made a bargain with you. That is, something belonged to me. but has been given in your possession, and something was yours, but now it belongs to me. Do you also acknowledge that bargain and say, My Lord has made a bargain with me? You are to me like my children. Author footnote. It must be remembered that God Almighty has no sons. He has no associate and no son, nor does anyone have the right to claim to be God or the Son of God. However, this phrase is used here by way of allegorical and metaphorical expression. As for instance, in the Holy Quran, God has said, The hand of Allah is over their hands, Surah Al-Fat, chapter 58, verse 11, and has thus described his own hand as the hand of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the words, Allah's hand was above their hands. He has also used the expression, Kul ya ibadi, say, O you, my servants, Surah Al-Zumar, chapter 39, verse 54, instead of, Qul ya ibadullah, say, O servants of Allah. And as he has also said, Fazkurullah kazikrikum abaakum, celebrate the praises of Allah, as you celebrated the praises of your fathers. Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 201. It is therefore necessary to study these words of God with full concentration and care. Believe in them as allegorical and do not try to probe into their deeper meanings. Leave that to God. Hold fast to the truth that God does not take to himself a son, yet there are many allegories to be found in his word. Beware, therefore, of construing literally that which is allegorical, for that would be ruin. There is a clear revelation concerning me set out in Brahine Ahmadiyya. Qul innama ana basharum mithlukum yuha ilayya annama ilahukum ilahum wahid wal khayru kulluhu fil Qur'an. The translation of which is, Tell them, I am but a human being like yourselves. It is revealed to me that your God is one God and that all good is contained in the Qur'an. End of author footnote. 
You are from me and I am from you. The time is near when I shall raise you to a station that the world will praise. The above is with you and the blow is with your enemies. Then be steadfast until the decree of Allah arrives. A time will come upon the plague that no one will suffer from it. That is, the end is safe and secure. Author footnote. A long time ago I had received the revelation in words as if a third person was speaking about the spread of the plague. Ya Meaning that, O Messiah who has been sent for human welfare, help us avert the plague. But today, April 21, 1902, I have received the same revelation with an addition and it runs Ya Meaning that, O Messiah of God, who has been sent towards mankind, come to our rescue and save us with your intercession. You will not hereafter perceive any wicked element or mischief from our side. That is to say, they will then reform themselves and will give up reviling and abusing me. The revelation that I have now received is in accord with the revelation mentioned in Brahina Ahmadiyya that the plague would spread after some time. As was said in my revelation, meaning that we shall bestow our favour upon this Yusuf or Joseph, that we might remove from him all evil and indecency. This indicates that the plague would be a favour in the sense that God would create fear in my foul-mouthed enemies to stop them from abusing and reviling me. Another revelation referring to the same period is as if the earth addressed me, saying, Meaning that, O friend of Allah, I had not recognized you. A full explanation of this is that the earth was presented before me in a state of vision and it was said to me that it had not recognized until then that I was Waliyur Rahman, the friend of the gracious God. End of author footnote. Now, three things have been proven from this entire revelation. Firstly, this plague has come to the world not only because the promised Messiah of God has been denied, but also because he was made to suffer, conspiracies were hatched to kill him, and he was labelled a kafir or disbeliever, and a dajjal or antichrist. But God did not desire to leave his messenger without testimony. For this reason he made the heavens and the earth bear witness to his truthfulness. The heavens gave its testimony by way of the lunar and solar eclipses that took place in Ramazan, while the earth produced its testimony in the form of the plague, so that the word of God as recorded in Brahine Ahmadiyya should be fulfilled. This is as follows. Qul indi shahadatum min Allahi, Publisher footnote. Meaning that, say, I have with me proof from Allah, then will you believe or not? Say, I have with me proof from Allah, then will you submit or not? The first testimony refers to the testimony of the heavens, which involves no force. This is why the word, Tu'minun, you believe, has been used here. The second testimony is of the earth with reference to the plague. It involves force, for it creates fear and thus causes people to join this community. This is why the word 
Tuslimun, you submit, has been used here. The second point that has been proven through this revelation is that for the plague to abate, people will have to accept the messenger of God, or at the very least desist from mischief, cruelty and abusive language. For God states in Brahine Ahmadiyya that in the latter days I shall send the plague in order to silence those evil and wicked ones who level insults upon my messenger. The fact of the matter is that the rejection of a messenger alone does not in itself constitute the reason for a calamity to befall the world. In fact, if people reject God's messengers with respect and civility and take no part in violence and abusive language, then punishment is decreed for such people in the hereafter. Whenever an epidemic has befallen the earth in support of messengers, it was not on account of denial alone, rather it was a punishment for mischief. Similarly, this chastisement will be lifted in the present case when the people refrain from their invectives, cruelty and transgression, renounce their depravities and inculcate gentle manners. When that happens, many of the fortunate shall accept the messenger of God and will partake in the blessings of heaven. Then will the earth brim with blessed beings. The third point which is proven from this revelation is that, in any case, however long the plague remains upon the earth, even if it should last for seventy years, God Almighty will safeguard Gardian from its horrific destruction, because this is the throne of his messenger. This is a sign for all nations. Now, should anyone deny this messenger of God Almighty and this sign, and if anyone believes that only superficial observances of prayer and supplication or worship of the Messiah, or blessings of the cow, or belief in the Vedas, despite opposition, enmity and disobedience towards this messenger will quell the plague, then such an opinion, unless supported by evidence, is not worthy of acceptance. Hence, a truly excellent opportunity now presents itself to any individual from among all these sects who wishes to furnish proof in support of the truthfulness of their respective faith. It is as if God has provided an exhibition hall so that the truthfulness or falsehood of every religion can be demonstrated, and God himself took the initiative to put forth the name of Gardian in order to establish its truth. Now, if the Arya people consider the Vedas to be true, they should prophesy that their Burmashwar, God, will protect Benares from the plague, for it is the true seat of the Vedic learning. Similarly, the people of Sanatan Dharam should prophesy that the plague will not enter a city where cows are found in large numbers. For example, they could foretell that Amritsar will be saved because of the blessing of the cow. If the cow should exhibit this miracle, it would be wholly understandable if the government enforced a ban on the slaughter of such a wondrous animal. Similarly, Christians should prophesy that the plague will not afflict Calcutta because the great bishop of British India resides there. In the same way, Mia Shamsuddin and members of his Anjaman Hamayate Islam should make a prophecy about Lahore that it shall remain protected against the plague, and the accountant Munshi Elahi Baksh, who claims to receive revelation, has an opportunity to aid the Anjaman Hamayate Islam by making a prophecy concerning the protection of Lahore. It would also be appropriate for Abdul Jabbar and Abdul Haq to make a prophecy concerning the city of Amritsar. 
Moreover, since Wahhabism prevailed in Delhi, it would be appropriate for Nazir Hussain and Muhammad Hussain to make a prophecy that Delhi shall remain protected from the plague. So in this way the whole of the Punjab will be delivered from this fatal disease, and the government too will be absolved of its responsibility at no cost. But should they fail to do so, it will perforce be determined that the true God is he who has raised his messenger in Qadian. In the end, remember that if all of these people, among whom are Muslim claimants to revelation, Arya pundits and Christian priests, remain quiet, this will prove that they are all liars and the day will dawn when Qadian shining as the sun will show that it is a station of the truthful one. Finally, Mia Shamsuddin should be aware that he is not justified in his hope for the acceptance of prayers which he has expressed by reciting the verse Publish a footnote or who answers the distressed person? Surah An-Namal, chapter 27, verse 63. End of publisher footnote. For in the Book of God, the word Muzdar only refers to those who suffer on account of a trial, not those who are tormented by a punishment. This verse does not apply to those who have been afflicted as a form of punishment, otherwise it would have been necessary for the prayers of the people of Nu or Noah, Luth or Lot, Pharaoh, etc., to be accepted in their time of despair. This did not happen, and the hand of God destroyed these nations. If Mia Shamsuddin should inquire as to which verse then applies to his circumstances, we would direct his attention to the following verse. Ma illa fi Publish a footnote. The prayer of disbelievers is of no avail. Surah Al-Mu'min, chapter 40, verse 51. End of publisher footnote. Since it is possible that certain unlearned persons may fail to comprehend the true purport of this publication, I once again fulfil my duty by announcing my invitation, and that is, this plague which is spreading throughout the country has no other cause except that the people have refused to accept this promised one of God, who, in accordance with the prophecies of all the prophets, has appeared in the seventh millennium of the world. Not only did the people deny this Messiah, but they used abusive language towards him, they called him a disbeliever and conspired to kill him, and they treated him as they pleased. Thus, God, out of his jealousy, desired to issue a warning on account of this insolence and disrespect. God had given news in previous holy scriptures that he would send a severe plague at the time of the advent of the Messiah because of the denial of the people. Therefore, it was necessary that the plague should break out. The plague has been named Ta'un because it is a response to those who engage in Ta'an or taunting. Among the Bani Israel or children of Israel, it would always break out when they engaged in Ta'an. In the Arabic language, the word Ta'un means one who indulges in excessive mockery. This is an indication towards the fact that the plague is not sent in response to minor acts of taunt and ridicule. Rather, it breaks out only when abuse of the one commissioned and sent by God exceeds all bounds and efforts are made to humiliate him. O oh dear ones, your only recourse is to accept this Messiah with a true heart and sincerity. This is a definite cure. However, a lesser remedy is to refrain from openly denying him and to desist from using abusive language and to foster a sense of respect for him in your hearts. I say truly that the time is coming, indeed it is near, when people shall hasten towards me, saying, Ya Masih al-Khalq adwana, 
What I have mentioned above is God's word and its meaning is, O you who have been sent as the Messiah for mankind, intercede on our behalf against this deadly epidemic. Understand with perfect certainty that in this day and age you have no intercessor other than this Messiah, the exception being the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And this intercessor is in no way separated from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. His intercession is in fact the very intercession of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. O Christian missionaries, say not Rabbun al-Masih or our Lord is the Messiah. And observe that among you now there is one who is greater than the Messiah, i.e. Jesus. And O Shiites, do not persist in saying that Hussein is your saviour, because I say truly that there is one among you now who is greater than that Hussein. If I say these things of my own accord, then I am a liar. But if I possess God's testimony concerning it, then do not oppose God, lest you be considered in opposition to God. Now hasten towards me. I liken such a one who hastens towards me at this time to the one who boards a ship at the verge of a violent storm. However, I foresee that he who does not accept me will be like the one who throws himself into a tempest without any provisions to save himself. I am the true intercessor, and I am the shadow and zil or reflection of the most venerated intercessor, Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa, the chosen one, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The blind of this age did not accept him and treated him with deep contempt. Therefore now, with just one proclamation, God has taken revenge against the Christian missionaries because they have deified Isa bin Maryam, or Jesus son of Mary, and insulted our chief and master who is the true intercessor, and have defiled the earth with their foul writings. Thus, in contrast to that Messiah who was deified, God sent the promised Messiah from our Ummah, and he is greater than the early Messiah in his excellence. God gave the name Ghulam Ahmad or the servant of Ahmad to this Messiah in order to point out to the Christians that their Messiah, who they deem to be God, cannot compare to even a lowly servant of Ahmad Publish a footnote, one of the names of the Holy Prophet Muhammad as mentioned in the Holy Quran is Ahmad and it is to him that reference is being made. End of publisher footnote. That is to say, what can be the rank of the Messiah who is inferior to even a devotee of Ahmad in nearness to God and ability to make intercession? Oh dear ones, this statement is not intended to upset anyone. If you do not consider this servant of Ahmad, who has been sent as the promised Messiah, more venerable than the previous Messiah or Jesus, and continue to state that he is the true intercessor and saviour, then furnish proof of this claim, as God has said about this servant of Ahmad, this means that God, in order to manifest the honour of this intercessor, safeguarded the village of Qadian from the plague. As you can see, for five or six years now, it has remained protected. He further said, Had I not desired to manifest the superiority and honour of this servant of Ahmad, then I would have destroyed Qadian as well. Likewise, if you consider the Messiah ibn Maryam or Messiah son of Mary, the true intercessor and saviour, then as with Qadian, you too should name a town in the Punjab. Author footnote. For example, they could name Narawal or Batala. End of author footnote. 
and assert that through the blessings and intercession of your Lord Messiah, such and such town will be saved. But if you cannot do this, then consider for yourself how a person whose intercession is not established in this very world could intercede in the next life. Mia Shamsuddin should keep in mind that his announcement is utterly useless and will not yield any benefit and that the only remedy is the one I have stated. As he will recall the last time he and his Anjuman challenged me, they were humiliated before a human government. They called upon the government to punish the author of Ummahatul Mu'minin or Mothers of the Faithful, but I disagreed. In the end, it was my opinion that prevailed. Similarly, the memorial that they have sent to the heavenly government is nothing but a useless and nonsensical attempt and as ineffectual as their first memorial. The true memorial is that which I have prepared. And in the end, you shall have to accept it. Those who are foolish eventually tread the path of the wise, but after they have suffered the utmost humiliation. Molvi Ahmed Hassan of Amroha has a great opportunity to stand against me in this situation. I have heard that he, like other Molvis, is making strenuous efforts in support of his idolatrous belief to somehow prove that Hazrat Masih ibn Maryam did not die and would thus return as Khatmul Anbiya or the seal of the prophets. Hence his dissatisfaction with the inference drawn from Surah An-Nur, the hadith in Sahih Bukhari, Imamukum Minkum, which means he will be your Imam from among you, and the hadith in Sahih Muslim, Ammakum Minkum, which means he will lead you and will be from among you, which state that the promised Messiah would be born from this blessed Ummah, so that in the likeness of the Messiah belonging to the Mosaic dispensation, he should appear as the Messiah of Muhammad's dispensation, and thus illuminate the world with the excellences of the prophethood of Muhammad. Instead, the Malvi, like his brethren, wishes only for the same Ibn Maryam, whose false divinity has drowned approximately 500 million people in the swamp of misguidance, to descend with his hands upon the shoulders of angels, and by virtue of this new divine manifestation, bring another 500 million to join the first 500 million, for no one actually witnessed him ascend to the heavens. As the old adage has it, Saints do not fly, it is their disciples who give them wings. But now, if the entire world were to see him descend flanked by angels, the Christian clerics would seize the Molvis by their throats and ask, Did we or did we not say that he is indeed God? What will be the state of Islam on such an infamous day? Will anything remain of Islam in the world? The curse of Allah be upon the liars. They unjustly raise to heaven one who is buried in Mohalla, Kanyar, Srinagar, Kashmir. How great an injustice! God has the power to do everything in accordance with his promises, but he will in no way send a person back to earth whose first advent resulted in a devastating trial for the world. These Mulvis, the simpleton friends of Islam, do not realize how much the Christians have been aided by such beliefs. God Almighty does not wish to further embellish the glory of Ibn Maryam in this world. In fact, he is already greatly displeased with the extent to which Hazrat Masih has been unduly praised. Therefore the question, Aanta kulta linnas, did you say to men, had to be asked. Publish a footnote. The full question reads, O Jesus, Son of Mary, 
Did you say to men, Take me and my mother for two gods beside Allah? Surah Al-Maidah, chapter 5, verse 117. End of publisher footnote. It is the height of ignorance to look towards the heavens now to see when Ibn Maryam shall descend. However, the ulema before me who held that Ibn Maryam shall descend from the heavens due to their faulty interpretation are blameless in the sight of God and they should not be criticized. There was no flaw in their intentions. Rather, it was a misunderstanding on account of human weakness. May God forgive them because they were not granted knowledge. Their error in ijtihad or reasoning was akin to the error in judgment made by Dawood or David in the case of the Ghanamul Qom. Publisher footnote literally means sheep of certain people. This refers to an incident mentioned in the Holy Quran in Surah Al-Anbiya chapter 21 verse 79 in which Suleiman resolves a dispute between certain peasants and sheep owners in a wise manner. End of publisher footnote. However, his son Suleiman or Solomon was bestowed understanding by God concerning the matter. 22 years ago, I recorded the revelation on the last page of Brahini Ahmadiyyah. Publisher footnote, this reference appears on page 670 in the 1984 edition of the Rohani Khazain, volume 1. End of publisher footnote. So we have instructed Suleiman in those signs. It relates to the discussion at hand. It is clear from the above-mentioned revelations cited in Brahim that people would criticize me, saying, Have you discovered meanings of the Holy Qur'an and Ahadith which you now present that were not known to our earliest scholars and elders? Allah the Exalted retorted that although such is precisely the case, there was nothing extraordinary in this. After all, the ulama of the past were not prophets. When Dawood, who was a prophet, erred in his judgment, God granted his son Suleiman the ability to arrive at a just decision. So this Suleiman, who has been appointed as the promised Messiah, is more correct in his judgment than your elders in the same way that Prophet Suleiman proved to be more correct than his father Dawood. And if Malvi Ahmad Hassan does not desist through any means, then the time has now come that he should come to know by heavenly decree. That is, if he truly considers me a liar and believes my revelations to be human inventions and not the word of God, he may avail himself of a simple mode of inquiry to determine the truth. So just as I have received revelation from the exalted God, he will give shelter to the town after it has suffered a little. Had it not been out of regard for you, this town would have been ruined. Let him also write, He has given shelter to Amroha. After all, God does listen to the call of a believer. What kind of a believer is a person whose own prayers go unheard, while the prayers of someone he considers to be a Dajjal or Antichrist, a faithless one and a liar are heard? The present position is that Allah the Exalted has already accepted my prayer and proclaimed, I shall safeguard Gardian from this destruction, particularly against the type of devastation in which people die of plague like dogs and do not even have the time to flee and escape. Malvi Ahmad Hassan too should appeal to his God to somehow accept his prayer in regard to Amroha so that it should remain free from the plague. 
Until now, it would not seem far-fetched for this prayer to be fulfilled because Amroha is situated approximately 200 course. Publisher footnote, a course is approximately 2 miles. End of publisher footnote, away from the plague. Whereas the plague is raging on all four sides of Qadian at a distance of just two course. This is a simple and straightforward contest that serves the people's interests and also distinguishes between truth and falsehood. For if Malvi Ahmad Hassan departs from the world in a state of rivalry, calling down curses upon me, then what benefit will this provide to Amroha? However, if for the sake of his imaginary messiah, he is successful in having his prayer accepted and God agrees to protect Amroha from the plague, then he will not only emerge triumphant, but will also have rendered the people of the town a great favour for which they will never be able to thank him fully. It is appropriate that the text of the proposed Mubahila or prayer duel be published widely within 15 days of the publication of this announcement. He should write, I publish this announcement as a challenge to Mirza Ghulam Ahmad who claims to be the promised Messiah. I, being a believer and putting my trust in the acceptance of prayer or having received a revelation or seen a dream, publish the announcement that Amroha will most certainly be saved from the ravages of the plague. However, calamity shall befall Qadian, for it shelters a liar. If such an announcement is forthcoming, the outcome will likely be determined by the winter that follows, or at the most by the second or third winter. In accordance with the practice of God, the plague will begin to subside in the month of May throughout the country, and the days of God's fast, as it were, shall come. However, it can be reckoned that in the beginning of November 1902, God shall break his fast. Then will it be known at the time of this iftar or breaking of the fast who from among the people falls into the grip of the angel of death. Since the promised Messiah resides in the immediate vicinity of the Punjab and his first addresses are also the people of this province, the Punjab was struck first by this epidemic. Amroha too, however, is not beyond the encompassing strength of the promised Messiah. Thus, the breath of this Messiah, which destroys the disbelievers, shall most certainly extend to Amroha as well. This is my claim. If Malvi Ahmad Hassan should publish an announcement in which he swears on oath that he is truthful, and as a result Amroha is saved from the plague and enjoys at least three winters of peace, then I have not been sent by God Almighty. So, what greater means can there be to settle the matter? On my part, I swear by God Almighty that I am the promised Messiah. I am the one who was promised by the prophets. The Torah, the Gospel and the Holy Quran all give news about me and the era of my advent and expound that, in the heavens, the moon and the sun would be eclipsed at the time of my appearance and a terrible plague will befall the land. This is my sign. Each and every opponent, whether he lives in Amroha or Amritsar, whether in Delhi or Calcutta, whether in Lahore, Golra or Batala, if any of them should swear on oath that their area of residence shall remain free from the plague, then it will surely be swept up by the plague, for they would have committed insolence against God Almighty. And this matter is not confined to Morbi Ahmad Hassan. In fact, the time has now come for a broader confrontation with the heavens. All those who consider me a liar, such as Sheikh Muhammad Hussain Butalvi, who is a well-renowned Molvi, Bir Mahdi Ali Shah of Golra, who hinders many from the path of God, Abdul Jabbar, Abdul Haq, 
and Abdul Wahid Ghaznavi, who belong to the community of Molvi Abdullah and are hailed as recipients of divine revelation, Munshi Ilahi Baksh, the accountant, who by way of opposition to me has made a claim to divine revelation and has raised Molvi Abdullah to the status of a Sayyid, publisher footnote, literally means chief, but is used in Islamic terminology to refer to the descendants of the Holy Prophet Muhammad through his daughter Hazrat Fatima Without feeling any aversion towards such a manifest falsehood, and similarly Nazir Hussain of Delhi, who is of a cruel temperament and was the first to issue a fatwa of disbelief against me. All of the aforementioned people at a juncture such as this should seek to preserve the honour of their revelations and faith by publishing an announcement that the place of their dwelling will be saved from the plague. The government and the people can but benefit from such an undertaking. This will establish their greatness and they will be considered as saints. If not, they shall set a seal to their being liars and deceivers. If God so wills, I will soon publish a detailed announcement in this regard. Wassalamu ala manittaba al huda, and peace be upon those who follow the guidance. A general notice to my entire community concerning a resident of Jammu named Shirag Deen. The person in question has published perhaps one or two announcements concerning the plague after claiming to support my movement and stating that he belonged to the Ahmadiyya community as he had taken birth. Portions of these announcements were briefly read out to me, but I had not yet heard the objectionable part. Thus, I consented to their publication, believing this to be of no harm. Regrettably, however, because of the number of people with me at the time and other distractions, I was unable to listen to certain dangerous remarks and inappropriate claims contained within the footnotes. Out of goodwill, permission for the publication of these announcements was granted. Now, when another of Shirag Deen's essays was read out last evening, it came to light that this essay was dangerous and noxious, even pernicious to Islam, and was overflowing with senseless and false ideas from beginning to end. In it, he writes that not only is he a Rasul or messenger, but a messenger with great resolve. Moreover, he writes that his mission is to bring about peace between Christians and Muslims and to reconcile the mutual differences between the Qur'an and the Gospel. He would do all of this as a disciple of Ibn Maryam or the son of Mary and be called a Rasul. As everyone is aware, the Holy Qur'an has never claimed that it would reconcile with the Gospel or the Torah. In fact, it declares that these books have been subjected to interpolation and alteration and that they are defective and imperfect. Moreover, the Qur'an claims that it alone has been crowned with the distinction Akmaltulakum Dinakum. Publish a footnote, I have perfected your religion for you. Surah Al-Maidah, chapter 5, verse 4. End of publisher footnote. It is our belief that the Gospel, the Torah and other similar books bear no value in comparison to the Holy Qur'an and that they are indeed imperfect, interpolated and altered. All good is found in the Holy Qur'an as is intimated in the following revelation which was recorded 22 years ago in Brahine Ahmadiyya. Qul innama ana basharum islukum yuha ilayya annama ilahukum ilahum wahid See page 511 of Brahine Ahmadiyya. Publisher footnote, this reference appears on page 611 in the 1984 edition of the Rouhani Kazain, volume 1. End of publisher footnote. This means, 
Say to them, See that I am a man just like yourselves. I have received the revelation that God is one, he has no partner, and all good is comprehended in the Qur'an. Good-natured people understand the truth of this matter. So, what book should we seek besides the Qur'an? How can we consider it to be incomplete? God has told me that the Christian faith has died completely, and the Gospel is a lifeless and incomplete word. Can there be any comparison between that which is dead and that which is alive? We cannot reconcile with Christianity in any way, as it is entirely worthless and false. Today, there is no book that exists beneath the heavens other than the Holy Qur'an. Twenty-two years ago, the following revelation was recorded in Brahini Ahmadiyya on page 241 in relation to myself. وَلَن تَرْضَى عَنْكَ الْيَهُودُ وَلَن نَصَارَى وَخَرَقُوا لَهُ بَنِينَا وَبَنَاتٍ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ وَحَدٍ الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ويمكرون ويمكر الله والله خير الماكرين الفتنه ها هنا فاصبر كما صبر اولو العزم وقل ربي ادخلني مدخل صدق publisher footnote this reference appears on pages 266 to 267 in the 1984 edition of the ruhani huzain volume 1 this means that the Jews and Christians will never reconcile with me. Here the term Christians applies to the priests and other promoters of the gospel. Then it was revealed that these people have unjustly fashioned, out of their own fancy, sons and daughters for God, and they do not understand that Ibn Maryam was a humble man. If God should so desire, he could create another person like Isa bin Maryam, Jesus son of Mary or someone who is even better than him, as he has indeed done. But God is one without partner, he is free from death and birth, and there is none like unto him. This revelation indicates that the Christians had gone on raising a clamour that the Messiah too, in his nearness to God and eminence of person, was unique and without partner. Now God says, Look here, I will create his match, who shall in fact be superior to him, and his name is Ghulam Ahmad وسلم, meaning the servant of Ahmad i.e. the Holy Prophet Muhammad Zindagi bakhsh jame Ahmad hai, kya piyara ye naam Ahmad hai. Life-giving is the goblet of Ahmad How dear is the name Ahmad Lako Ambiya Magar Bahuda Sabse Barkar Mukame Ahmad There may be a hundred thousand prophets, but I swear by God that the greatest of all in rank is Ahmad Sallallahu Alehi Wasallam. Bhagi Ahmad Sihamne Palkaya Mira Busta Kalame Ahmad. I have eaten the fruit of the orchard of Ahmad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. My garden is the word of Ahmad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ibn Maryam ke zikr ko choro, usse behdar Ahmad hai. Speak no more of Ibn Maryam or the son of Mary. Superior to him is Ghulam Ahmad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, meaning the servant of Ahmad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These verses are not mere poetic caprice, they are an exposition of truth 
and if evidence does not establish that I have been granted greater support than the Messiah Ibn Maryam or Messiah son of Mary, then I am a liar. God has supported me, not for my own sake, but for the sake of the Prophet who has been wronged, i.e. Muhammad The remaining translation of this revelation is that the Christian people will make plans to inflict harm and Allah will also make his plans, and those will be the days of tribulations, and say, O God, grant me a space in a holy land. This is a kind of spiritual migration, and until now, the way I understand its meaning is that ultimately a transformation will occur in the land, and the world will begin to shine with piety and truth. Now just consider for a moment how poles apart we are from the Christians. They declare that holy person to be a liar whom we consider to be the paragon of all creation. To achieve any reconciliation, both parties must first strike a compromise. But given the extent to which our religion and our book consider the religion of Christianity utterly foul and unholy, as indeed it is, how then can there be any agreement between us? In view of this vast religious divide, there really can be no room for compromise. Rather, the only end is that false creeds are vanquished and the virtuous people of the world accept the truth and then will the world come to an end. We have no agreement with the Christians from a religious perspective. In fact, our response to them is this, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ Publisher footnote, Say, O ye disbelievers, I worship not that which you worship. Surah Al-Kafirun, chapter 109, verses 2 to 3. End of publisher footnote. What kind of an impure prophethood is this to which Sharag Deen has made a claim? How shameful that a person who proclaims to be my follower can make the reviled claim that he is a messenger sent by the Messiah Ibn Maryam in order to reconcile between these two religions. La'natullahi alal kafirin The curse of Allah be upon the disbelievers. In the Holy Quran, God says that the ill doctrines of Christianity would well nigh cause the earth to burst thereat and the heavens to break into pieces. How can we seek reconciliation with this belief? Furthermore, despite his utter lack of sense, understanding and piety, Shirag Deen claims to be a messenger of Allah and thereby ridicules the system of God and belittles the station of messengers and prophets. Owing to his uncultivated intellect, he has failed to grasp that although in earlier times certain messengers were sent to support others in their very lifetimes, as was the case with Harun or Aaron, who was raised alongside Hazrat Musa or Moses, Khatamul Anbiya, the seal of prophets, and the Khatamul Awliya, the seal of Awliya, are exempt from this practice. Just as no one was divinely commissioned alongside the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or raised as a messenger in his time, and all of his companions followed one guide, similarly, at this time, everyone follows one guide. No one else has the right to claim that he is, God forbid, a messenger. I have not come accompanied by two angels alone, but with thousands. In the sight of God, praiseworthy are those who have long assisted me for years on end. In my view and in the estimation of God, their help has proven true. But what of Shirag Deen's help? His presence and absence have made no difference at all. This organized effort on my part has been ongoing for almost 30 years now, whereas he has sprung forth only a few months ago. 
I cannot recognize his appearance well enough to even identify him. He has not lived in my company for any length of time. I cannot imagine what service he might render me. Will he assist me in manifesting the sign of writing Arabic prose or in the exposition of hidden Quranic truths? Will he aid me in the intricate discussions I engage in for the advancement of natural and philosophical argumentation that rebut the Christians and followers of other religions? I know that he is bereft of all these areas of knowledge. The error of his nafs imara or the self that incites to evil, has made him conceited. So from this day forth he is cut off from my community until he publishes a detailed confession of repentance and forever disavows the foul ministry to which he has made a claim. How lamentable that the unfounded manner in which he has exalted himself has led him to defame my true helpers and confer upon the repugnant faith of the Christians a status of parity with Islam. I care not for such people, for they can neither harm nor help me. Our community should completely stay away from such a person. Because I was not fully acquainted with his writings, I allowed him to have them published. But now such writings ought to be torn to pieces. Wassalamu ala manitta al huda, and peace be on those who follow the guidance. Announced humbly by Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, 23rd of April 1902. Copies printed 5000. Diaul Islam Press, Qadian. End note number one. I was writing on the topic of Shiragdin when I was overtaken by a light slumber and received the following revelation from the Lord of Honor and Glory. Meaning that Jabiz descended upon him but he took it to be a revelation or a true dream. The word jabiz means dry and tasteless bread that has no sweetness and is difficult to swallow. The term is also applied to a person who is niggardly or a target of reprobation whose nature abounds in the elements of meanness, helplessness and niggardliness. In this context, jabiz refers to a dream or revelation that is the result of one's own imagination or of one's own desire and which is not accompanied by any heavenly light or any spiritual truth and it reeks of niggardly deficiency. Such imaginations are experienced by people who lack spirituality but are very desirous of receiving revelation. Because of their desire, Satan descends upon their thoughts. Since such revelations are not founded upon any spirituality, the term Jabiz has been employed for them by Allah the Almighty. A person who overly indulges in such an experience is in danger of going mad. The remedy is repentance and seeking forgiveness and total abandonment of such thinking. May Allah safeguard everyone from this calamity. The author. End note number two. Last night, just at the time of the eclipse of the moon, I received a revelation concerning Shiragdeen. Inni uzibu mayurib. I shall destroy, I shall demolish, and I shall punish him if he remains in doubt, does not believe in it, and does not retract his claim of being a messenger and a commissioned one, and does not seek forgiveness of those helpers in the cause of Allah, who have been serving and providing assistance for a long period of time and keeping company day and night. This is because he has disrespected 
all the sincere members of the community and has exalted himself above all of them. This is despite the fact that time and again God has praised them in Brahini Ahmadiyya, referred to them as the Sabiqeen, publisher footnote, literally those who are foremost in faith, end of publisher footnote, and said, Ashabu Sufa, Vamadra ka Ashabu Sufa. Meaning that they are Ashabu Sufa. Publisher footnote. In one corner of the Holy Prophet Wasallam's mosque in Medina, a covered platform was prepared which was known as the Sufa. This served as the resting place of indigent immigrants who dedicated themselves to the worship of Allah and the company of the Holy Prophet Wasallam and recitation of the Holy Quran. They became known as Ashab Sufa. In a revelation to the promised Messiah his companions who had left their homes to reside in Qadian were also honoured with the same title. End of publisher footnote. Meaning that they are Ashab Sufa in the eyes of Allah. Do you realise who, how magnificent in status the Ashab Sufa are? Jabiz refers to bread that has been so dried up that it cannot be broken by teeth and instead breaks teeth, is difficult to swallow, tears the intestines and induces colic. So this word indicates that Shiragdin's claim to be a messenger and his revelation is nothing more than Jabiz and shall destroy him. Meanwhile, a great feast descends upon another people whom he disrespects and they partake in a large portion of God's mercy. Maida chizis digar khushk naam chize digar Khurdani hargiz nabashad ਨਾਨੇ<td>ਖੁਸ਼ਕ</td>ਐਬੇ</td>ਹੁਨਰ</td>ਦੋਸਤਾਂ</td>ਰਾਮਾਇਦਾ</td>ਬਿਦਹ